just walking around in some kind of fog. I think we're all in a trance. People are talking in symbols. Everyone's sort of floating through this fog of symbols and unconscious feelings. Hello and welcome back to the Lucid Dreaming Podcast. This is episode 8 and let's get started with a few thank yous, a few more thank yous. Um, a few more people wrote in and I love it. I wanted to actually thank officially on the podcast Mike from SoundCloud, which uh, I've enjoyed, really enjoyed our little messages for a while now and I got to say that from all the little links and references and the great feedback you've been sending me, it's tremendously helpful and I I really enjoy it too. So I wanted to officially thank you uh, here as well. And uh, Diana wrote a great email and thank you for for your words and thank you for listening. And Shelly wrote in with a question, which I did answer through email, but I wanted to uh, perhaps address it here as well to give more clarification on it and perhaps other people are having the same the same question and it might might help others as well so i thought maybe to cover that as well before i get to the topic that i wanted to talk about for this um this particular episode um so before i get to shelly's question i also wanted to say and it and actually it kind of connects to her question um that I had another chance to chat with uh, Nick from Dreamboard. Dreamboard is a is a free application and mobile a mobile application and desktop you know browser application for recording your dreams that I've recommended before and that I've used regularly now for a while. Um, and I've seen some little screenshots from the new version that's coming out soon and got a little more information and i'm really excited it, it looks very promising i also think it happens to be right now the best application for recording your dreams if you're doing it digitally of course for those of you who write it down it's a different story uh, but you'll see in a minute why, why i'm saying that and why i'm excited about the the future of that so um basically shelly wrote about you know, what if your dream signs are not really places or people or things that appear in your in your dreams on a regular basis? What if there are more situations and feelings, uh, perhaps emotions, that are the the main repeating subjects in a dream? And I think those work as well, and those can be used as dream signs. And when you're writing down your dreams, um, you basically have to note everything that you can. Um, again, for, for two main reasons, writing down your dreams, as we've established, um, helps you, you know, helps your dream recall, helps, helps you remember more of your dreams the next time around, and generally increases your dream awareness. In fact, I have a theory, I'm developing a new theory, which is part of that whole, you know, mapping lucid dreaming that I, I touched upon last episode. So maybe I'll do this uh, next episode, but it's I have a theory about 
uh, writing down your dreams and dream recall that I'm that I'm sort of sort of trying to work out because I think that it's I think that dream recall is not really uh, the right name for for the phenomenon of, of you know writing down to remember more of your dreams but I'll I'll get to that later um, so again writing down your dreams does help you remember more of them in the future and increases your chances to achieve lucidity but the second reason we're writing down our dreams and writing them down in as most as many details as we can is really to be able to go back and recognize dream signs that appear on somewhat of a regular basis in our dreams. Now, again, almost anything in a dream can work as a dream sign because as Ryan wrote into me a nice little quote um, where Stephen LaBerge's definition of dream signs is anything that differs from um, waking life. So anything that's weird, basically, that happens in a dream that cannot or does not necessarily happen as often or at all in waking life. So that's, again, anything that happens in a dream almost can be a dream sign. But the problem with that is that there are so many things that happen and it's harder to use those as triggers for reality checks, which is really what dream signs are for in a sense, or the basis of dream signs are for. But things that are happening on a regular basis if they happen often enough, we can start at least start with those and use those as a trigger for uh, doing reality checks in waking life, in your day-to-day life. So hopefully that habit will transfer into the dream. And because it's a repeating dream sign, it is more likely to show up again, just statistically in, in, the, in the way dreams work, it seems. And if it shows up again in a dream and now you have the habit to do a reality check every time that dream sign appears in your life, you're more likely to do a reality check at that moment. And if you do it, then you are very, very likely to become lucid, which is awesome. So back to um, this sort of concept of feeling as dream signs. If you're writing down your dreams and you're noting all the little things like, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your reactions, your internal process, all of those are things that are still happening to you in day-to-day life and waking life. So once you've written down your dream and hopefully in there somewhere you mentioned your emotions, if you're going back, you can then next to your dream or at the bottom of your dream uh, recording, you know, note these as dream signs. If you had several dreams over the past weeks or months or however long, you know, back in your record of dream journaling, you look into, if you find that there are specific ones that repeat more than others, or specific ones that repeat on, on some somewhat of a regular basis, or or some that have, you know, that, that really stuck in your memory, that leave an imprint when you wake up from the dream, write those down separately at the end. And you can even count them, but you don't really have to. If, you know, usually dream signs kind of jump out once you start going over your recorded dreams. And... Once you do that, you recognize a particular feeling or experience as a dream sign. And the next time you're feeling that in waking life, do a reality check. Test and stop and wonder and check if you are dreaming. And 
Again, if, if it's maybe more intense or extreme emotions that don't necessarily happen to you on a regular basis in waking life, then anything that relates to those experiences or feelings can also be used as a trigger. If you see somebody else experiencing that, if you were watching a movie and seeing that emotion being portrayed or you know displayed on screen or something that you read or see in day-to-day life that makes you think about that, about that emotion, about that feeling, use that as a trigger for a reality test. And that can work. That simply can work. Anything that, that can trigger the thought, wait a minute, this happens in my dream often, let me do a reality check, and then you do a reality check, that's great, and that works wonderful. Now, the reason I mentioned dream board again is because I've checked this morning, and I've been I've been writing down my dreams. Now, I've been using various apps to to write down my dreams, even apps that are really formulated or, or at least were created for lucid dreaming, dream journaling, but none of them has have nailed it quite well like Dreamboard, and Dreamboard wasn't even created for lucid dreaming in particular, but it was created in such a way where you actually, when you create a dream, you have built-in fields, uh, whether you're doing it in the browser or on, a, on the mobile app, you have, before you even get to the area where you write down your dreams, you can you have specific ways to mark uh, people, places, emotions. There's predefined emotions in there with little smiley and frowny faces for different emotions, or you can add ones that, that are not in there. And I'm, it is my guess, but I'm guessing that they they might add some more default ones in the future. And the app remembers what you've chosen before if you added custom, let's say if you added, added custom people. Uh, next time you start typing that name, the things that you've typed before will show up. So it's easier to just click plus and add those. And it saves and records those little items uh, that are aspects and elements of your dreams separately from just the dream text itself. And you can then search. And when you search for something, uh, you can you can then find all these components, which is fantastic because, you know, again, they're they're sort of mapped out. And when you look at the dashboard that they have in the browser, it's really it's really showing you um, without even searching within the dreams, this person showed up the most number of time. And here is the number of times you mentioned this person in in all your dream journals or all your dream journals in the past month. But the cooler thing that it does, even more than that, which is nice, it's already mapping on its own the frequency where things appear in your dreams, which is awesome, again, on its own. But the other thing it did that, that I was looking in this morning is while I was, you know, after I added uh, a dream from, from last night, um, I suddenly saw the little button that says, you know, uh, view similar dreams. And I'm like, this is interesting. I didn't notice this before. I clicked it and basically it found a bunch of other dreams that I guess they have their own internal sort of the app's search algorithm or something. And that app recognized uh, repeating elements or words that appeared in other dreams. So without you even trying to think, hmm, here I wrote this word or this dream sign or this aspect, let me search for that word in all other dreams and see if they come up. You don't even need to do that. It sort of does it for you, even even beyond the little components that you add separately from the dream text. So it finds dreams that have similar or somewhat um, 
repeating components and you can then read through them and find and detect some of more of your dream signs. So that's, that's, that's so cool. It makes the whole thing so much easier. And again, it's digital, it has searchability in it, and they're all tagged, of course, like with the date, and you can give them names and so on and so forth. So that's very convenient. But just to wrap it up, Shelly, uh, and anybody else who, who have a, that aspect of their dream is a much stronger aspect than you know particular items that show up visually, like places or things or, or people. I think that, that feelings or any experiences, it's all really experiences when you think about it, uh, any experiences can be used in dreams, as dream signs. So by all means, find your dream signs, whatever they may be, and use them to do reality checks. Now, I wanted to, since we're talking about reality checks, just quickly re-emphasize something uh, I think is very important about reality checks. Because what often happens, and I, I've done that before as well, because again, I'm, I'm testing different apps and I'm testing different methods and seeing what works better or worse or just what's, what's easier sometimes. And, um, you know, I've tried that method where I have an app, you know, set up a, either a random or predefined alarm at certain intervals that says, are you dreaming or do a reality test? And, and then take that moment to suddenly like see the alarm and then do a reality check and move on with my day. But that's, that's, first of all, that's sort of the random interval reality check, which is good, you know, doing, you know, at least around 10 of those a day just as a general habit is, is great. But doing those, doing reality checks when you spot dream signs in your waking life is even better. Because again, those are connected to aspects that appear in your dreams, which are more likely to appear again, which then in turn is more likely to help you trigger a reality check and lucidity. But whether you're doing random reality checks or dream sign-based reality checks, I think it's really, really important that you don't just glance over the reality check. I don't, don't just, you know, read some text, look away, read some text again, the same text and see if it changed basically as a test or look at your hands, look away, look at your hands. Um, or, or any other, you know, type of reality check. You can do that, but you, what I want you to really do in addition to that, or maybe even more importantly, is stop for a moment, look around you, and really, really try to feel, is this a dream? Am I dreaming right now? Just really, really wonder, really question your assumption that you are now in waking reality. Because... I think it's that assumption because, you see, in, in actual waking life, we do feel that we are very aware and we are very awake and we look around us and it's very, it's stable, it's consistent. It feels like waking life. So we don't question that. We have it as a sort of assumption that we are not dreaming because that's how it feels like. And because we have that assumption in during waking state, then we have that assumption in dream state. So in order to stop making that assumption in the dream state, you have to start doing that in the waking state. And so when you are doing a reality check, whatever the trigger was, really stop for a moment and really question that assumption, really question 
you know, as sure as you feel that this is waking life, just really, really test it, really question it, and then do a reality check to verify it. And then do it again. Do, do it twice in a row or do two types just to be sure. One, because it's, it's better because often in dreams we do a reality check and then it doesn't always work. It works around, you know, for different people, somewhere between 70 and 90, 95% of the times, but it's not foolproof. Um, you know, I've been fooled. So whatever you do, do it twice. It's always, always a good thing. But I also really, really would like to encourage you to, to really think about it and to question it and see if there's a difference. But I think it can have a tremendous difference. And the habit of doing that, questioning whether you're awake, is a good habit to develop. So that's about reality checks. I guess should move on to the subject that I wanted to talk about today. And I was debating how to approach it because I think maybe for some people it's a sensitive subject. For me, maybe in some way it's sensitive. I mean, I don't really, at the end of the day, it's, it's not that important one way or another, but it is fascinating. And I know there are people who are very passionate about this particular sub subject of lucid dreaming. And, um, you know, I, I was afraid that I might, you know, piss some people off or upset some people or, or, you know, trigger some, some reactions because of my opinions. But, you know, let me preface all of this by saying this is definitely not my intention. In fact, the way I'm going to present what I'm going to talk about is in such a way where I say, here's what I know, here is what I don't know, here is what I believe, and I think the rest is sort of open. And what I want to talk about today, if you've guessed it or not, is about all these things related to lucid dreaming that are either in the category of paranormal or the less defined, less proven aspects of lucid dreaming. And the reason I the reason I want to talk about it is one I would like to sort of set the stage and try to clarify and separate fact from fiction. I just see a lot of things mentioned very, very often in lucid dreaming books and in blog posts and in forums and so on. And I don't quite know about some of these things. So that's the first reason I want to bring it up. And the second reason is, as I told you, I, was, I really want to sort of map this arena of lucid dreaming and what you know, how does it really work? What are all the aspects to it? What can we count on? And what can we only, you know, assume in, in, and really test? And should what should we look into uh, when we're researching and, and trying out and lucid dreaming? So there's this sort of few basic things that come to mind. Maybe there's more and I can't think of them right now. Or I, maybe I don't mention them. So let me know if I miss anything important. But the, the big ones, I think the four big ones are premonitions or sort of uh, seeing or predicting the future in lucid dreaming. Out-of-body experiences, that's a, little, that's a little different, actually. That's the only one that's sort of, I'll, I'll explain in, in a second why I think that's a little different. And I'll explain what I think and believe in my experience with it is. Um, healing, so healing your body during a dream. And then dream telepathy or dream sharing. All right, so let's start. Let's start from out of body experience, just to to really put that one aside. It's uh, it's a little easier to talk about at some degree. First of all, just to clarify, I have not had an out of body experience. 
I know it happens to a lot of people during during or through uh, the effect of sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis I've mentioned before, and it happens every night when you're dreaming um, or when you're when you're sleeping. That is, but people who experience it while still remaining sort of awake, then sometimes that triggers out of body experience. Now, what we know about out of body experience, or at least what I know about it is that it is the experience of leaving your body, the physical body that sort of lying in bed and, you know, the experience or feeling like you're floating above it or floating outside and through the walls and to the outside and so on. Now, it is, it is a known experience, um, but as far as we know, at least in terms of science or prov- provable science, out-of-body experience is just an internal mental experience. It feels like that's what's happening, but it's not actually happening. Or at least the claim is that your whatever, soul, spirit, I can't even imagine exactly what it is, your awareness doesn't particularly actually leave your physical body, but it is more like a dream state that just looks more real or seems like in a situation that's real because you're in your bed, you were you were just going to sleep, and so on and so forth. In fact... There was um, a study just recently, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, where this woman was, you know, came to, um, I'm not sure, maybe one of the universities, but um, a group of scientists, and told them, hey, I can generate the experience of an out-of-body experience pretty much on command. So they hooked her up for with EEG and brain scans, and they wanted to see what, happen, what happens in the brain during this uh, so-called out-of-body experience, which is absolutely fascinating on its own because something is happening and the results are, are pretty amazing. They, they see different types of different areas of the brain gets activated and I'll let you read it. It's, it's very interesting just from a scientific point of view. However, what I was kind of bummed is that they didn't do any experiment with her of saying like, hey, we're going to put something in a box, you know, and once you leave your body, see if you can, you know, look through the box and see what it is and tell us later and and basically proving or disproving you know if she actually leaves her consciousness somehow leaves her body or not now the phenomenal is real the phenomena does happen people experience have the experience of leaving their body now do i know that it's really not leaving your body or do i know that it's you know one way or another i don't one i didn't have the experience but two there hasn't been a proper experiment at least not yet, at least not one that's been scientifically accepted that I know of. Now, let me put a little side note here. You know, at one point in time in the past, lucid dreaming as a phenomenon was not scientifically proven. And even after the first few experiments, um, the scientific community sort of refused to, to, to believe it or accept it. Uh, so it took a little time, even with more evidence, to really show that there is something happening and that the experiment is true. For anybody else who actually experienced it, you know, we sort of knew that this this is real, even before it was scientifically proven. So um, what I'm not trying to say that that experience is not real or you can't really leave your body, I don't know. We don't have enough evidence for it, is only what I'm saying. And this sort of this is sort of the, the general scope of how I'm, I'm looking at the rest of these things. But I am willing and I am always keeping an open mind because, one, 
if I didn't experience it, doesn't mean that others be, other people didn't experience something that's very, very real. Um, and since, and if we haven't scientifically proven something yet, doesn't mean that it's not real and out there and happening, and we won't be able to prove it in the future, perhaps. So let's let's move on to premonition or predicting the future. And again, these these subject and little specific you know subtopics of that are really really tricky because we're going into not not because it's the paranormal or you know psychic or spiritual or anything like that i don't have any particular issue with that with that concept however if we are claiming that something like predicting the future is possible then we have to formulate some kind of theory as to how it might be possible and that's really the difficult part but the more we learn about you know the world and life and science and theory of relativity and consciousness and quantum physics and the rest of it yes i mentioned quantum physics <laughs> sorry so the more me the more we learn about it the more the more we understand that we don't know but also the more we understand that the complexity of how the world is made as you know allows for more elaborate things than we previously assumed possible so that's that's why i do still have an open mind and that's why i do believe that some of these things are possible let's talk about uh, predicting the future that's a tough one because unless you happen to dream something very very specific very i mean very specific not something that's open to interpretation and unless you happen to tell it to somebody before it happened, and then it happened, then it's really hard to prove to somebody. Also, how would you differentiate a dream that is showing you something from the future than a dream that just showing you something random? You don't know if it's going to happen or not. In the case of this one, it's a little, it's a little more tricky for me to dismiss. Um, one, because... I'm a big fan of time travel, and I hope that there's a way to move move through time, even if just with your consciousness. But that's just a little <laughs> a little fun side note. Um, uh, half jokingly, I say it, but time travel is awesome. But but um, the reason I I find it harder to dismiss is because there were two cases where people told me one after the fact, where a dream you know happened to them, and then the thing actually happened in real life. Um, and I, you know, this is from someone close to me, so I tend to believe them they're not someone to make up that thing. So I can say, okay, maybe they were confused or maybe they're, you know, they're, they're not sure or sort of don't remember their dream well or maybe they confused the deja vu with a dream or who knows, maybe. But another person told me sort of the same thing, but before it happened and then it actually happened. So... You know, how accurate is that? How real is that? It's hard to say. Now, my only experience with that is that I dreamt something, and this is not just about sort of premonition or precognition. It sort of blends into, you know, being able to know something without knowing it in waking life. So I had a dream um, about something that happened that I would, would have been very, very, very hard to guess. Uh, about something that happened to someone I know, someone I haven't been in contact with. So I called them when I woke up just just to tell them. I didn't even think that that actually happened. I just had a dream about them, and I said, okay, I'll, let me call them and tell them they'll they'll have a kick out of it. 
And when I told them, they said, oh, my God, you know, that this happened to me, you know, three months ago. I, I didn't tell anybody. So that was, you know, that was amazing. But it's not out of the realm of statistical coincidence possibility. So, again, you know, there are indications or inclinations to say that some of these things are possible. What would be the actual technical scientific theory behind it? I don't know. I have no idea. I can think of a few things, um, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, so I let, let me jump to dream telepathy and dream sharing from this one because it sort of blends into, you know, being able to connect through consciousness in some in some way. So dream telepathy, I'm, I'm not quite sure why this is mentioned very, very easily and very often. I don't know, you know, there are people who are trying this as a more organized experiment, which is actually kind of cool. And this is the kind of thing we need to do. If we're trying to claim that these things are possible, let's test them. Let's test for them and do it in a more, hopefully, slightly more scientific way or semi-scientific way, at least in the sense like, you know, Mythbusters are encouraging you to do science in your life because you can do science. It might not be perfect, but it, ha it can have um, a good basis in methodology, scientific methodology, which, can get, which it can get you very far in doing your own experiments. So back to dream telepathy. That would require the assumption or the belief that telepathy in general is possible, not just dream telepathy. But I, I'm not quite sure why people are, you know, have an easier time assuming that dream telepathy is more likely than just regular telepathy. I mean, it's, dream, the dream state is such a mess in, in terms of, it's such a hard time to, you know, to become really aware in a dream obviously everybody who's trying lucid dreaming knows it's for the most part and for most people it's not a very easy easy uh thing to achieve even once you're lucid stabilizing a dream staying focused it's it's not always a piece of cake it's not always easy so doing something like telepathy in a dream why is that easier in a dream than in waking life i'm not quite sure maybe the claim i guess is you know, the theory that in, in a dream you're, you know, maybe different parts of the, the brain are activated. Maybe you are in a different realm than just within your, your brain or your mind. And there is a different layer of, or connection of some sorts of consciousness at a different, you know, phase or frequency, who knows what. Maybe. I mean, I, I can see that in theory. I would like to see a better theory of why that would be. But I can understand the theory in general. And what's kind of nice is that people are now trying to really dig into it and improve it better. There's a guy um, I follow on Twitter called Dr. Rory McSweeney. Who knows if I pronounced his name correctly. If I, if I butchered your name as well, just take it as a, as a badge of honor. This, I, I do this to most people with unusual names. But cool name, I got to say. It's like a character from uh, a superhero movie or something. Um, and he, I think, um, he's a long practitioner of lucid dreaming. And he is running an experiment uh, in dream sharing, where I think the premise is basically, you know, you choose a 
password which you submit I believe uh, forgive me if I, I'm missing some of the info but I'll, I'll find it and I'll, I'll put a link to it you you know m a lot of people join in they they choose a word or a password that they input in they they decide they determine to, to go into a dream and become lucid and try to find somebody else from the experiment in the dream and get their you know get give give them their password or get their password from them then you go in once once you have the dream and if something actually seemed like it succeeded and you passed along a password you you know you search for that and if there's a match then you communicate with that person and try to figure out if you actually manage to share information or you know transfer information or the password through the dream you know it's a it's a good setup for the experiment i need to look into it further to you know to kind of sort of gauge it how specific and how sort of scientific it can be it's a little tricky because again as many things like that people you know dream symbols or you know representative or something else it's easy to misinterpret it i think it's very difficult to really prove it concretely this way but it's a, it's a great start it's i mean who knows i'm i'm not ruling any of these things as, as impossible but i i love separating what i know more of as a fact and what i don't know and what i believe i mean it's it's i think all beliefs are fine if they are meant to be temporary if they are meant to be understood and further explored and hopefully hopefully one day determined and as knowledge one way or another whether they're true or not true so that's about uh, dream telepathy and dream sharing and the last one is healing and i'm going to say why I think it might be not true and I think why it might actually be true and why it might work the, the concept is the idea is is that in your dream in a lucid dream you can go in and send healing energy to your body or do a sort of simulated surgery on your dream body that will affect your physical body and there are a lot of reported cases of people doing this and when you read books like Robert Wagner's and even the book I'm reading right now um, Charlie Morley's book it is you know full of mentions and cases they're both claiming that they've done it themselves and they know other people who have done it and it's very possible now I you know I don't know but I will say this in in defense or in you know in the hopes and belief that this is something that is possible I will say that I haven't tried it myself, but now that I read a lot more about it, I do plan to, to try it. Now, I don't have a particular, you know, um, thing that I can try it on, but there's there's few things that I can think of and I can sort of test at least for myself. But here's why I think it's possible for it to work. But that doesn't mean necessarily that it works in the way we think it works. So we do know scientifically the the power of placebo so if we're talking about any any type of medicine alternative medicine real medicine you know homeopathic remedies and all that kind of stuff we do know that just believing that a medicine can work help you heal your body not 100 percent of the time uh, but often and it works well enough that people even who know that are given placebo still see an effect in how they feel and their illness and so on in addition to that 
there are many reported cases where the body just finds a way to heal itself despite medicine and um, medical doctors believing that it's not really possible or there isn't a chance or something is off and they don't think that there's a way to heal this particular ailment or issue or something and there are sort of cases recorded cases of spontaneous healing or just the body finds a way to heal itself now if that's true if there are, if the body can do it whether because it believes it through placebo or whether whether it's subconsciously or unconsciously finds a way then why not if we are swimming in our subconscious when we're dreaming let and let alone when we're lucid dreaming and we can direct that you know we can implant that suggestion in our brain in a more direct way and with intention to heal our body if the body has the ability to heal itself in theory maybe that can push it maybe that can trigger that and that's why i think that's theoretically possible but again it's one of those things that until you do or test or try for yourself it's sort of it's a little harder to 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 accept just because somebody else reported it but again these this uh, the the healing and dreaming is one of the things that I hear more than all of the other ones. So even with people with out-of-body experiences, most of them don't claim, at least not that I've heard, that you're actually physically leaving your body, the, the one that's lying in your bed and so on. But they have do have the experience. You know, predicting the future, again, a tricky one. And dream telepathy, the, the thing I forgot to say about dream telepathy, at least in, in a theory of how it could work, is that, again, the brain is something we don't know nearly enough about. It is still a puzzle and a mystery, although we're learning more and more every day. But there are mechanisms in the brain and in the body that, that do transmit electromagnetic pulses and other, our brain generates um, electricity and electric pulses that we can measure through you know, EEG and other devices. Um, the heart beats in, a, in such a way that a person standing next to you um, we can measure the resonance of the heartbeat of your heartbeat in their body. So when your emotions get rapid or your heartbeat goes up, we can detect that your body, without you realizing it, your body uh, resonates from the from the energy or electromagnetic pulse or something that the heart of the other person generates. That's actually scientifically been proven we know that there is some kind of a transfer that the body recognizes. I mean, it's it's quite amazing. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. Uh, maybe that's that's how we can sort of feel em empathy and relate to people when we just stand next to them and we sort of feel their energy. Maybe that's what that is. And maybe there's a similar mechanism in the brain that allows us to, to really have something similar with thoughts and, and telepathy. The healing one is the one that, that really fascinates me because it seems to have the, the most potential um, and the easiest maybe to prove. I'm not sure. Maybe the dream telepathy is easier to prove uh, if people get really good at it, if they, they believe that it's possible. So, I mean, I just, I didn't really want it to come and say any anything con conclusive and say, this is nonsense, this is bullshit, this is true, this is not. I just wanted to bring those up and to give my opinion on them in case anybody else was sort of wondering and reading about them i tend to be on the skeptical side just because there's a lot of nonsense out there 
But then again, you know, when you come and tell somebody who's never heard of lucid dreaming, let alone experience it, and you tell them that that's possible, they look at you with a puzzled look often, and either they're fascinated and amazed right off the bat, or they're like, what are you talking about? And, you know, it's, it's a funny experience because if you've had that and you know that it's possible, no, you know, almost nothing you can say can just really prove it to them if they, they're skeptical and they doubt it until they have the experience. You know, it's a tricky thing, and I, I do believe some of these things are possible. I, I believe very likely that they're possible, but I want not only to experience them, but, but I, want, I want us to think of ways to not just go and just make random claims, but more, let's, let's, let's think a little scientifically and say, how can we, you know, how can we test this? How can we prove this? How can we share it with more people where they can really try it and see for themselves as well? And I think one of those dream sharing experiments, it's, I mean, it's an interesting thing and, and maybe it works. Maybe, maybe somebody participating in the experiment can think of a way to refine the experiment better because somebody had to come up with the, uh, Hearn and LaBerge came up with a way to test and scientifically prove lucid dreaming. And before that, I'm sure they sat around puzzled as like, okay, I had this experience. How in the hell can I prove it? This is something in my brain, in my mind, when I'm, you know, sleeping. How can I prove this to somebody outside of my own mind? And they came up with a way. They came up with a scientific way. And something that before EEG existed maybe wouldn't have been possible. So that's what I really want to try to do, try to get people to think, well, what are the furthest reaches and possibilities of lucid dreaming? Do we have, you know, sort of this, what we call paranormal ability in the dreams? Maybe some will prove as possible, some not so much. I don't know. Well, we'll see. But I think, again, it's such, it's such an arena that's unexplored as of yet. So I'm not trying to step or deny anybody's beliefs. I am trying to always stay open-minded about these things, but I want us to have a skeptical but curious observations and not to make assumptions maybe one way or another, but tell me, feel free, if you had some, some really good experiences and you had pretty certain about some of these things, if you have other completely different experiences that I didn't mention, that you think are worth exploring, let me know. But I do want to, I think more than anything else, just, just get you to think a little bit. And I did want to mention these subjects and I wanted to record this episode about them because they, they come up often enough in the literature and discussion forums and so on that I didn't want not to address them. So as I always say, I'm uh, an optimistic skeptic. <laughs> So I hope that was interesting. I hope it was helpful maybe in some way. And the more I explore, the more I look into it, I will continue to share as always. So once again, I really thank you for sticking around and listening. And until the next time, sweet and lucid dreams. <laughs>